On this week's Question of Faith, what should I expect during Holy Week when I go to church? Hey everybody, this is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I am the Director of Young Adult Ministry here in the Diocese of Cleveland. And I'm Father Damien Ferenc, Vicar for Evangelization. I'm Miguel Chavez, the Director for the Office of Missionary Discipleship. And so, amigos, what should you expect during Holy Week when you go to church? Oh, Holy Week, what a blessed time. Actually, as as a, a father with young kids, even my son, who's who's 12 now, we were talking about that's what we missed most when we were in lockdown was the the experience of Holy Week, the opportunities to come together to pray, the solemnness. Uh, you know, one word that continues to sort of resonate, and it, it doesn't resonate anywhere else in my family except for Holy Week, is a stillness. <laughs> you know, mm. Everything's so chaotic. Um so, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. I'm thinking lots of colors, lots of things, mm-hmm. lots of stuff. Uh, the most rich, robust rituals that we have, it is it is the holiest week of the whole liturgical year, starting with Palm Sunday, which begins with a, uh, a reading, sometimes a procession, the blessing of the palms. Two times a year, we give out things free in the church on Ash Wednesday and Palm Sunday that we don't give out any other mm. time during the year. So people come to, to Mass uh, on those days, and sometimes, even Ash Wednesday, people treat it as if it's a holy day of obligation. It's not. But um, Palm Sunday is a big day for that procession. Red, uh, Jesus enters uh, triumphantly into Ju- Jerusalem. It's exciting. Um, oftentimes the gospel is split up in parts and read and sung. And then the whole church kneels when Jesus takes his last breath on the cross. So it's dramatic. The the tone in that one mass, though, because you go from this joyous, jubilant, triumphant beginning, and then it moves to a very sort of somber, this reflect. I mean, it sort of becomes a microcosm of the whole week, really, of what we're experiencing. Uh, I I recorded the mass. We have to record the masses in advance for um, the TV mass on mm -hmm. WUAB on Sunday mornings. And my homily for the Palm Sunday a mass was this is Holy Week. One of the reasons we call it Holy Week is because if we participate in it, we can then become holier than we were before. Mm. Because participating in the liturgy, we become what it is that we celebrate and participate. Mm. And we're entering into the very passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So at the Chrism Mass, in addition to the bishop inviting all the priests there to renew their baptismal promises, he also blesses the three oils that will be used throughout the liturgical year for liturgy. So the oil of catechumens, the oil of the sick, and the uh, oil of chrism. And the chrism is the one that is perfumed. Mm. And sometimes when he puts the perfume in, he breathes over it, goes, ah. So Bishop Lennon used to do that, mm. I remember. But it's it's a wonderful liturgy. It's big, Tuesday night here. And it'll just be nice to have people back in the cathedral again, a packed church, hopefully. The bishop I know used to say he used to smell like balsam like all week after that mass. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is not a balsamic yeah. you know, vinegar yeah. and stuff. You know, it's the same kind of smell. So, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that is is very Catholic. It's sensual. So mm-hmm. the liturgies should hit your eyes. They should hit your ears. They should hit your nostrils. Smell the oil. See the candles, the liturgical colors. All that's going on, singing songs that maybe we haven't sung that are just for Holy Week, like, were you there? And then uh, Holy Thursday mm-hmm. is the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. It was at the Last Supper Jesus instituted the Eucharist and the priesthood. And that's the one liturgy during the year where after the homily, the priest gets down, literally, and washes the feet of 12 
uh, I think it's normally 12 individuals who have been picked prior to. Correct. Um, and then uh, does the mandatum. Like, dude, this is this is what it means to be a Eucharistic people. I, I, I'm, you call me master, you call me teacher, but this is how service is going to look, how leadership is going to look in my kingdom. Pope Francis, when he does it, he turns his stole to become sort of like a diaconal stole to symbolize the service as he's washing the feet of people. Have you ever seen him do this? It's really interesting. No, I never yeah. noticed. That's very cool. Yeah, that is, is cool. That's what diaconus means. the symbol means, of the yeah. servant. Yeah, yeah, right. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's cool. The, the other thing about Holy this is an aside, actually, but I met my wife on Holy Thursday, so oh, it's sort wow. of like an anniversary for us. Yeah, and it's very cool. The second year, so we got married two years to the day that we met. So it was Holy Thursday that we met. And then the next year on Holy Thursday, obviously the date was different, but mm-hmm. – um, our parish did sort of like a separate liturgy where they invited everybody in the parish to participate in the washing of the feet. Okay. And yeah. so my wife got down and washed my feet, and I was like, okay. And we were engaged at that point, and, um, and I started getting very emotional because I was like, wow, this is really what marriage is about. Yeah. You know, if she can awesome. get down and wash my feet, boy, there's probably nothing that we can't get through because yeah. that's pretty bad, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? that's excellent. So it was really fun, you know, and so we, we always remember um, – that we met on Holy Thursday. I lost, I, I, you know, I had met her before through a friend, and we, she thought that we would be interested in each other. And so I saw her at Holy Thursday. And I said, oh, I should, I should get to talk to her. Yeah. And we, the procession, as you know, at the end of Holy Thursday, this procession it sort of ends in darkness, you know. Yeah. Um, the whole place is lit up in candles. I lost her in the crowd. Oh, I, I couldn't find her. And I went across the street to this diner that was across the street for the uh, from the church and she was in there with a couple of my oh. friends and so my friends said why don't you sit down uh, yeah <laughs> that's great well and holy thursday begins the triduum too correct right right and the triduum it's important to keep in mind although these are three different liturgies so holy thursday good friday and the easter vigil it's actually one big liturgy that extends over three days and we know that because at the end of holy thursday the priest does not give a blessing but rather the blessed sacrament is removed from the church and then taken to a side altar mm-hmm. for a reposition. Not in the not in a monstrance, in a ciborium, the germ says, the general instruction of the Roman Missal. And it's usually set up to be like a garden mm-hmm. where Jesus would have gone with his disciples after the Last Supper. In Rome, it's a tradition that you visit seven different churches on Holy Thursday, the reposition altars. And I know Father Pat Anderson and a couple of the other priests in the diocese lead youth groups or young adult groups to go visit different uh, repository altars that night. So that's oh, a very that's cool, cool practice. Yeah. And the and the, the liturgical color for that day is white, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood. The other thing that happens right after that Mass, I used to love to do this as a kid and even as a priest, is that everything's stripped in the yes. church. Mm-hmm. Tabernacle is open. The altar is stripped. You remove. You can remove the carpets, chairs, so it looks bare. So the next day when you come in on Good Friday, that's the j- day that Jesus died, and the church feels there's an emptiness mm-hmm. yeah. there that he even his his presence in the Blessed Sacrament is not there. Right. Because remembering Jesus' death. And that day, the liturgical color is red. And it's not a mass. It's a, it's a liturgy. The Eucharist is involved, but Eucharist that was consecrated the day before. 
And one of my favorite things about that day is there's an option when you go in, the, those who are in procession, the priests and the servers, can prostrate themselves in the sanctuary mm-hmm. in silence. You enter in silence. Mm-hmm. So there's no opening hymn and there's no name, assigning ourselves because this is a continuation of what happened the day before. And um, I think we have the, the, the suffering servant reading from Isaiah. Yeah, correct. And then the the gospel would be for Luke, correct? Or is it – no, John's gospel is yeah, read on right Good on. Friday, Good Friday and Luke's and gospel would have been yeah. – the passion would have been read on Sunday. That's yeah. right. And just – it's a somber, beautiful uh, proclamation, sometimes done in parts, sometimes sung, depending on the parish. When you walk into church on Good Friday, don't genuflect. There is nothing to genuflect to. You don't have to genuflect because there's no blessed sacrament. Right. I remember, well, when my daughter, I remember taking my daughter one time, and my other kids weren't there, but we went to a Good Friday service, and I remember she was just captivated when, when the priest and, and the procession walked up, and they, they laid prostrate. prostrate yeah. And she even made a comment. She said, this is really sad, Dad. And I said, well, we're people of hope. I said, yeah. just hang tight, honey. And, and that's the thing. It's there, There's something so incredibly moving. As you said, it's, it, you, you, you can't help but be involved in this beautiful flow and ebb of this prayer. And it does. We, 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 share, we, we share in Christ's Paschal mystery here. Um, and it, it, does, it does, when you think about what a life of holiness is, it's it's these sort of these flows and ebbs where we encounter Christ. It's a dying to oneself and coming to new life. It's just yeah. a, it's such a beautiful image. <laughs> Liturgy, when done well, allows us to enter into the life of God and God's life to enter into us. So yeah. when the the ministers are all prostrating, usually in the church, everyone kneels. Mm-hmm. It's just a moment of silence. Okay, this is serious because God became one of us and he died on this day. It's not the end of the story, but it's an important part of story to go through because God wants to enter into our deaths and our sufferings and our sadness too. And there's a there's the two coming together. It's yeah, beautiful. Right. Yeah. And then we venerate the cross usually in the in the Good Friday liturgy as well, correct? Yeah, and that's the so there's three parts of the liturgy: liturgy of the word, veneration of the cross, and then communion. Veneration of the cross: the cross is brought in. Um, and it's an empty, well, it could be an empty cross. In Rome, actually, they have a, a corpus on it. But either way, the, peop- the people are invited to come up and then kiss the cross. You could, or you could kiss it, or you could genuflect, you could kiss your hand and touch the cross. But again, it's very sacramental, small s, because kissing the cross isn't a sacrament. But we're getting our whole body, our whole soul involved in in this reverence and veneration of the the instrument on which our Lord died or representation of it. And you may say, well, that's silly. The Catholics do that. But how about if you have a picture of someone you loved who's dead um, in your in your house or in your bedroom, don't you sometimes pick it up and be like, I miss this person or this is dear to me. So that looks weird, uh, but it's no it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually pretty healthy and normal. And so we're doing that with our Lord because as human beings, we're not just spirits. We have bodies and things matter. Stuff matters to us. Uh-huh. Growing up in our house, we had a crucifix hanging by the door and it was a practice. When we left, we, we kissed the crucifix. When we came in, we kissed the crucifix. And it was a reminder to us Look, whatever we're carrying, whatever you know, baggage we have, whatever you know, fight we might be going on or things we're concerned about, this is what we're meant to be about. And mm-hmm. that was a reminder of that. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that liturgy, there's no blessing at the end. 
walk out in silence. And what's neat is the, the ritual says that you leave the cross up with two candles on the side. So for the remainder of that afternoon, people can just pop in to visit the church. Maybe they weren't able to make liturgy because of work, but they could come in and pray in this silent church. Yeah. And then... Sometimes on Holy Saturday, depending on the parish, they do a food blessing, blessing oh, right. the baskets. Right. Yeah. for That's not high liturgy. That's not technically part of the triduum. But you talk to uh, Eastern European people, and they'll, they'll say, heck, yeah, it is, because we've always done this, <laughs> my family included. But And then there's a whole controversy. We could do a whole podcast on can you use holy water to bless the baskets since the font oh, hasn't right. been blessed. But that evening... Uh, the Easter fire is started. So every parish is going to have start a fire, and then that fire is blessed, and then that, that blessed fire is, is touched to the Paschal candle, and the church is to be dark, and then the Paschal candle, which represents the light of Christ, Christ himself entering into the darkness of sin, comes into the church, and before you know it, everybody who is baptized gets a candle, and the whole church gets illuminated. And we could take a whole podcast on this, but long story short, we go through the story of salvation through the readings, and then if we have candidates and catechumens, they're brought into the church through baptism and confirmation. We sing the Gloria, we say Alleluia, and uh, obviously we celebrate the Eucharist. And then we're sent out, go in peace. Nur, 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 nur. I won't say it now because it's still Lent, but. That's right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The Easter dismissal. And it's glorious. And it smells like lilies in the church. Mm, yeah. And uh, we celebrate the resurrection just as we, yeah, your your kids will say, oh, this is sad today. But they won't say that on Easter Sunday. That's They'll right. say, Dad, this is happy. Yeah. I just love the whole going from darkness into light throughout the whole thing. And slowly, slowly the church starts to get lit up. I had a pastor one time who said, as as the church slowly got brighter and brighter with all the candles, he said, I'd like us to just take one moment right now. He said, because the church is still pretty dark, even with all these candles, right? And he said, everybody take your candle and just put it over your head for a second. And as soon as they did, the whole church really illuminated. Mm -hmm. And he just yeah. said, light always shatters the darkness. That's right. Mm -hmm. Where there's light, darkness. Alleluia, alleluia. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> one of the things the candidates and catechumens do in RCIA after Holy Week is they enter into a period called mystagogia, mm -hmm. where they're unpacking the mystery of what they experienced throughout their whole journey, but especially during Holy Week. And that's really shouldn't just be for them. So although the only thing we have to do by obligation is go to, you know, Sunday Mass or the Easter Vigil, participating in all three days, Holy mm -hmm. Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, it's so efficacious, it's so good, and it makes you a better human being and brings you closer to God and therefore allows you to better bring God to others. Yeah. So it's so worth doing. Please participate. Absolutely. If you've never gone to the Easter Vigil, so number one, just to, just as a warning, not for wimps. It's about two and a half hours long. Uh, just so you know, so just just prepare yourself for that. You know, some people come to the Easter vigils. Oh, I didn't know this was going to be that long. I had plans sort of later in the evening or something. So just so you know, it's it's a long liturgy, and people you know enter into the church at this too. So you get to see all the RCIA candidates who are either uh, going through or going to become baptized or entering into full communion in the church. So they were they were another another Christian religion, and now they're becoming Catholic. So they don't need baptism; mm -hmm. they just need to be brought into full communion with the church. So you see the pro the culmination of that process for all these people. It is one of the most beautiful experiences I think I ever have had in the church, and I make sure that I try to go to the vigil every year 
just to see that, just for that reason alone, is enough for me to go. Yeah, um, like so our, it's really great. Our friend Patrick Warner, yeah, who yeah, yeah. you first introduced me to, will be entering into the church at St. Michael's on Scranton, and I'm going to be his Ooh, confirmation sponsor. Nice. Right. So looking forward to that, and um, he'll be smelling of the chrism yeah, on, uh, right. on, on, on uh, Easter Vigil. I, I should mention this too. So although it is a long liturgy, the early Christians would start once the sun, like a half hour after sunset, and would go until the sun rose right. the next morning. So it's not that so, intense compared to what the early Christians did. In, yeah. in, well, New, in New York at St. Paul's, after the Easter Vigil, my friends Kathy and Wetai used to have a party at their apartment. And some of us would stay up all night at this party, and then we would go and take a bottle of champagne and walk into Central Park and pop the bottle of champagne and say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, and share the bottle of champagne among oh, like about 10 of us great. or so. Well, and, then, and then we would go over to St. Paul for Easter Sunday Mass because so many of them were in the choir. So in yes. solidarity with them, we would go over yeah. after, the, not know, too long after that. It was at 10 o'clock, so it was, we yeah. waited a little bit. In light of the Mass, I would just say this, and every Mass sh- should be this way, but don't just go to to any parts of the, the liturgies the liturgies during Holy Week and just be an observer. I mean, that's not what Mass is meant to be, but I know, and I, you know, I, I often look around and wonder, boy, how many people are engaged in this? It's hard during Holy Week not to be engaged. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so place yourself in the, in the beautiful midst of, in the grace of the Spirit during this time, um, because it is completely transformative. Most of the f- friends that I have who are Catholic will say this is their favorite time of, of the year liturgically, because it is, it is profoundly impactful, and it is challenging, and it is beautiful and grace-filled. So It, it, ma- it makes us who we are, and yeah. by the end of it, you ought to be tired. Yeah, that's right. So then go to the Dingus Day Parade on Monday, right? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That's right, exactly. (laughs) You know, most non-Catholics don't know that this is the height of our... Of our year, really, you know, yeah. the resurrection is the most important part of being a Christian, as opposed to Christmas, which most people who are not uh, Christians would identify as being the high point. So it's it's really Easter, not Christmas. We are an Easter people, after mm-hmm. all. Yeah. So anything else on this? I think we've covered this in, uh, you know, quite an, uh, quite a length at this point. So yeah. just enter in, please try because this the experience of these liturgies really do form us and make us who we are. So. Give it all you got and see what happens and report back to us. Exactly. So a church that you can go to, St. Mark's in Cleveland. So my, my friend Brianna David's on the staff at St. Mark's. They're part of the young adult pod that meets on the west side. Uh, wonderful place. It's a really I really love the They have a great basement space for church gatherings that I love to go into with the, with the young adults there. Um, but they're they're a really great community, uh, just uh, just like just off of West Park in Cleveland and that kind of area there. Yeah. So it's great. I've been there once for a wedding. It's right off 150th. Correct. Right. Yeah, in West Park. Traditionally, there were a lot of uh, police and fire yes. that went there because there used to be a law that if you wanted to be police or firemen in Cleveland, you have to live in Cleveland. So mm. that used to be a lot of cops and firemen. I don't know if it's the case anymore. Father Adam Zajac is the pastor there, and. Uh, yeah, it's right in the heart of a community too, which is right. neat. Very neat. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Like as you're driving in, all of a sudden, like you know, you're 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 told to make a right, and then you start going down, and then all of a sudden, it's just there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it like comes up in the middle of nowhere. So that's Saint Mark in Cleveland, and uh, hey, go to the Triduum wherever you are, wherever you know, find a place to participate in the Holy Week liturgy, and uh, hey, Happy Easter, everybody. You know, right. it feels weird because it's not Easter yet, but yes, happy Easter. Yeah, yeah. You know, who There's knows a sense when you're of excitement, though, anticipation. I mean, this beautiful yeah. time of, of 
you know, repentance and, and really drawing in and prayerfully meditating how the Spirit's been transforming us through His grace. I think that this is an exciting time. Uh, yeah. We'll have this and all other kinds of questions here on Question of Faith. 